This is the Zen Nova Scotia podcast with talks by Cone Friends. If you would like to support and be part of our community, you can start by visiting zennovascotia.com. In reading Kazan's instructions for Zazen, we've been told first that we should understand who we are in the great scope of the universe. And then last week we were told not to spend too much time on arts and crafts and to watch what we eat. And finally, after pages and pages, he starts talking about concrete sitting instructions. When you are sitting in Zazen, do not prop yourself up against a wall, a meditation brace, or a screen. Also, do not sit in windy places or high exposed places, as this can cause illness. Don't slouch. And don't sit in a place that might make you sick. Now, you might think, you know, that you don't need to be told this. But as I've mentioned, there's a long tradition of of people sitting uh, on the edges of cliffs and things like that. You know, they they scope out their their meditation spot, their zazen rock. So we might hear in this, maybe, him... uh, uh, maybe teasing a little bit at that impulse. Sometimes when you are sitting, you may feel hot or cold, discomfort or ease, stiff or loose, heavy or light, or sometimes startled. These sensations arise through disharmonies of mind and breath energy. Harmonize your breath in this way. It's very concrete. Open your mouth slightly. Allow long breaths to be long and short breaths to be short, and it will harmonize naturally. Follow it for a while until a sense of awareness arises and your breath will be natural. After this, continue to breathe through the nose. Now this is similar to how I would usually teach everyone to sit. That when you first sit down, You can take a deep, what I was taught is you take a deep breath in through the nose, but then you exhale through the mouth. But I was also told to kind of exaggerate that a little bit, you know, to to push yourself. What he says here is, we're not sure how to read it. He says, harmonize your breath in this way. Open your mouth slightly. Allow long breaths to be long and short breaths to be short. That's a very classic instruction. Uh, the, the Satipatthana Sutta that really goes into the breathing and the mindfulness around breathing has this kind of talk about how you just let a long breath be a long breath and you let a short breath be a short breath. It sounds very natural. right? But then at the end he says, after you do this for a while then your breath will be natural. The way I read this, just from my own experience, is that 
when you first sit down, your breathing will not be natural. This is not quite natural. Acknowledge that. Right? Allow yourself to pay attention to your breathing in the beginning. To kind of work with that discomfort. We don't first, as I've said, somehow we sit down here and we don't know how to breathe anymore. Just notice that. Notice if you're trying to breathe deeply, intentionally. Notice if you're having trouble breathing deeply. Spend a little time. And after a while, you'll just breathe. And when you find that you're just breathing, you can move on. The mind may feel, and I want to point out again, Dogen doesn't talk like this. Dogen never gets into, you know, you might feel like this, you might feel like this. It's, it's like a, a commercial for uh, some sort of medication. You know, you may experience dizziness. You may, you may have irrational fear. He says, the mind may feel as if it were sinking or floating. It may seem dull or sharp. These are all within the umbrella of Zazen. Sometimes you can see outside the room, the insides of the body, the forms of Buddhas or Bodhisattvas. On a very basic level, probably everyone has some of this experience. You know, if, if you've ever started to dream in Zazen, in a way you've seen outside the room. I had a very uh, intense experience of this when I first uh, entered the monastery. So much of, of monastic life has to do with knowing where things go. You know, there are all these, I think, I think the first place that I trained had 18 altars and they all had to be just right and you would get in trouble. Everyone else had memorized that this goes here and this goes here and this goes here and this goes here. And so anytime you're in the room, you're memorizing the room. You're constantly memorizing the room. And what I would find is that very late at night or very early in the morning when I was sitting in Zazen, I would suddenly see in three-dimensional space another room in the monastery. I would be studying it and I could, it was as if I, I was there. And then I, boom, and then I'd realize, ah, I'm sitting here facing a wall, you know. And then as I got kind of sleepy again, it wasn't that I would dream about high school or about something interesting. I would just dream about the actual room that's next door in all its particulars. It's very vivid. The insides of the body, I'm not sure I've ever seen, but it's, it's an interesting possibility. The forms of Buddhas or Bodhisattvas. We know from looking across cultures that in religious experience, people see what they're looking for. Right. So if you have one mindset and you settle into a certain kind of place, you'll see angels. If you have a different kind of mindset and you settle into a similar place, you might think that you see Buddhas. Or who knows what else. 
Sometimes you may believe that you have wisdom. I love the way he says that. Sometimes you may believe you have wisdom and now thoroughly understand all the sutras and commentaries. I love that he doesn't say anything more about that. (laughs) Implying very clearly that that's not true. (laughs) You may think it. These extraordinary conditions are diseases that arise through disharmony of mind and breath. Again, disharmony of mind and breath is the disharmony of the mind with what's happening now. Right? These are juxtaposed. There's something that's happening here, and there's something that's happening here. It's the whole organism. It's not just breathing, but it's it's the present. When these two things are not on the same page, you go all sorts of places. When this happens, sit placing the mind in the lap. Okay. So... Have your hands here. And this is a common instruction. To place your, your mind here. Now, different people interpret this differently. Some people will say that this means place your attention here. Just simply place your attention in your hands. It's a way of, of kind of turning, turning the lens to where you're where you are in space, so that you're not looking out here and out here and out here. Right? We have this, this term navel-gazing that seems appropriate here. The other way to understand this is to literally place your mind here. <laughs> that instead of, of locating let's not say your mind, but locating mind in your brain, you let it move to your center of gravity so that mind is operating from a different place. Some traditions take this very seriously, this idea of moving your consciousness around the body. I wouldn't recommend uh, dedicating your life to it, but as, uh, as an experiment, I strongly recommend sitting. Don't just do this on the sofa. You need to give yourself some sort of container. But sitting like this and trying to feel what it's like to let your mind, to let the base of your consciousness move away from your head. I think one thing that you'll find is that you can't will it to happen because you're willing it from your head, right? To the extent that you can do it, it's, it's an act of letting go and, and an interesting one. When the mind sinks into dullness, raise attention above your hairline 
or before your eyes. Above the hairline is a really interesting place to be putting your attention. What I have said a number of times and what I was taught is to be very aware of your eyes when you sit. In particular, to be aware of how we close this this aperture, right? That it gets narrower and narrower as our mind gets narrower and narrower. And then we can just, we can open it up. And the degree to which we open it up is the degree to which we're here. When the mind scatters into distraction, place attention at the tip of the nose or at the tanden, which is this place below the belly button. After this, rest attention in the left palm, which is the one that's on top. It's like a ball. Sit for a long time and do not struggle to calm the mind, and it will naturally be free of distraction. There are a lot of uh, texts about Zazen that speak to what we should do if we start falling asleep. You know, if, if we're uh, overcome by drowsiness. And I hear some of that in this. It's, you know, sometimes it's splash water on your face. Hit yourself. <laughs> right? Get up and walk around. He's offering these, these concrete tips. Again, not to get into a particular mind state. You're just saying, hey, if you feel, if you feel distracted, here's a little thing you can do. Right? And in every case, you're bringing yourself back to here. Right? And there's no, they're not very deep. <laughs> Think about the tip of your nose. <laughs> Think about the edge of your hairline, which is maybe something you've never thought about in your life. <laughs> to locate that with your mind. Place your attention in your belly button or in the palm of your hand. Coming back to the body over and over and over again. Although the ancient teachings are a long-standing means to clarify the mind, do not read, write about, or listen to them obsessively because such excess only scatters the mind. And that's a very classically Zen thing to say. Right. You can read the sutras, but don't get stuck on them. You can go listen to teachings, but don't get stuck. Don't let that be where you spend your time. I was talking on Sunday at the temple on Herring Cove, and we were, we were discussing where we where we spend our time with the mind. That anytime you make a decision to do something or be involved in something or look at something, that's a decision to have a certain kind of thought, to fill your mind with a certain kind of activity. And just like food, it's useful to start to recognize what different kinds of thoughts 
do to you, how they affect you. Some people have a relationship to Facebook that's very easy. They check it sometimes, they turn it off, it's fine. Some people have a relationship to Facebook that's pathological. They can't stop looking at it. Or maybe it isn't that they can't stop looking, but that they can't maintain maintain any objectivity from what they're seeing. So they're devastated, and then they're elated, and then they're insulted. Something that I do when I'm feeling stressed is I, and I have to really work hard to do this, but I'll start to um, make a policy of not listening to the radio in the car. Because listening to the radio in the car is exactly what I want to do when I'm stressed. When I'm stressed, I don't want to be confronted by my thoughts. I don't want to think about them. I want to be released. And it means that nothing changes. And so when I find myself feeling overwhelmed, I'll, I'll remember and I'll turn off the radio and I'll drive around in silence. And I, I eventually start having conversations with myself that are of benefit and that are, in most cases, I would say, inevitable. Mm-hmm but that I've been putting off. There's a kind of faith in that. And I hear that kind of faith in this when he says, you know, you can, you know, fiddle with your breathing a little bit, but trust that it's going to come in to its own. Play with your brain a little bit if you want to, but you can trust that eventually it's going to land where it needs to land. Just don't look away. Don't let yourself get caught up. And that's where I'll stop. For more information about Zen, our practice, and how you can support and take part in our community, please visit zennovascotia.com.